0: Hopefully you enjoyed the first episode of the new podcast. Stay watching. Uh, On this part, we're going to get into a spoiler cast for Avengers Endgame. So um, even though it says spoiler cast in there and uh, it should be pretty clear, pretty obvious that it is a spoiler cast. I know that. Some of you can't take the warning or can't take the hint that there will be spoilers discussed. So I am saying it yet again. There are spoilers for the brand new Avengers Endgame film in this episode. If you have not seen the movie and you do not want to be spoiled, definitely turn it off right now. Um, we've talked for about two hours just about different things that happened in the film. Uh, and we kind of break down the flow of the film and all of that so if you want to go in completely unspoiled if you have not seen the film yet this is kind of your last warning you yeah, know there's gonna be a little bit of music first so you'll have a little bit more time but definitely tune out all right <laughs> all right hopefully you enjoy our conversation And uh, as I said before, uh, it's a new audio setup for the kind of interview portion, so it might sound a little bit different than what I sound like right now. Hopefully it's not too jarring and doesn't take you out of it, but enjoy our conversation on Avengers Endgame. And we're back, the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for our spoiler-filled discussion of Avengers Endgame, the MCU film to end the MCU, with the exception of it doesn't end the MCU. It it's will just, never end. It's just the beginning of the end of the MCU. So that movie, it was a lot. There are a lot of emotions to feel watching it. I don't even know where to begin, so you know it might be best if we just kind of, in in a sense, kind of work our way through the different acts of this film. For those of you, I'm assuming if you are listening to this, you have seen it, or you just don't care about spoilers. But the film is really broken up into these three distinct parts. You know, we're gonna call them the the aftermath of Infinity War. We're gonna call it the time heist. And we're going to call it out, like, all-out war. And then there's, like, the epilogue. So, let's just dive into it, like, the aftermath of Infinity War. Where were you at coming into this film? And, like, like, within that first, like, I guess it's, like, an hour-long part that even in itself is kind of broken up into a few different parts. What were the things that kind of jumped out at you?
1: Um... It was just like dealing with Hawkeye and his loss of family, which was nice. It was kind of like a little refresher as to what happened, even though probably most people who saw it watched Infinity War right before they went and they saw Endgame. Um, but then having uh, Scott Lane come back and not have no idea what happened, I think that was a nice, a nice part to see because coming back and not knowing what happened and him not knowing... I don't think he even knew that it was five years later at that point. And he's just thinking that everybody's gone and he doesn't know how they disappeared and he just knows that he's been stuck in the quantum realm for... I think for him it was only like a few minutes, a few hours? He
0: said said something like it had been five hours for him, but five years on...
1: Right, so... Having him go through that struggle is really interesting to see and then everyone else just kind of dealing with it and cap creating a emotional support group like Sam had, which was like a really nice mm-hmm. kind of like homage to Sam, because he had created that that um, support group and seeing uh, everyone else just kind of just like they weren't together anymore. They kind of spread out across mm-hmm. the whole world. Um, War Machine is where
0: did he say he was? Well, War Machine it seemed like he was just kind of going all over the world. Just going around needed,
1: like yeah. And kind of finding Hawkeye who's not Hawkeye anymore at that point, who's now Ronin. Mm-hmm. And then you have Black Widow, who's kind of trying to keep everyone together, but she feels so useless Mm -hmm. that she has no idea what to do, sitting there eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, (laughs) and just checking in on everyone and making sure they're kind of, if they find anyone else, to let her know, and then Scott Lang shows up to the Avengers compound.
0: Yeah, and, you know it's it's funny because like talking about it, it's like I just realized like we just kind of skipped over an entire part that that's in there where it's just like, hey, they go, they find Thanos, and I wow, well, kill, him. I really, I really did skip over just that. Skip, we just skipped. <laughs> so we went from I was just hey, thinking sadness
1: the whole yeah, time. Yeah, and let's not. <laughs> let's
0: watch Hawkeye's family disappear, and it's like it doesn't end. That portion doesn't end with that. Hawkeye's family disappears, and then. They go, then we watch thing. We watch the remaining Avengers gather up, hop in a spaceship, and go to face off
1: against Thanos. Yeah, and they're able to find out where he is based on some kind of science of um, when he uses it. And mm-hmm. um, pretty much Nebula set, gives the clue of he always said to her where are we going where we're going to go when we kind of take over and we kind of cut down the population of the whole universe mm-hmm. we're going to go to the garden yeah and conveniently he went to the garden and it was it was actually beautiful because it was exactly like the comics yeah his suit his armor was on yeah it was it's like little, a scarecrow it's a tunic and then he's in his like burlap sack shirt uh-huh. and he's just walking through this field of like plants and stuff, and it was just like... It's collecting it vegetables,
0: these. or whatever those were. And, it, again, thinking about the other thing that we just skipped over, the fact that, like, Captain Marvel plucks Tony Stark and Nebula out
1: of space, like... Listen, she just shows up whenever it's most convenient to her. <laughs> <laughs> and whenever, whenever anyone just kind of needs her, and... Just like no. he's in space, he's dying, he's falling asleep, and he's probably gonna die in that sleep that he's falling yeah. asleep into. And then there's this bright light, and we're all like, "Well, it's obviously Captain Marvel because she lives in space." And like, what would happen if she was snapped away? I mean, and how? There, I mean, there would have been no hope. Like,
0: it, they, like literally, you know what's what's interesting about captain marvel in that that circumstance and and like this is something that i know a lot of people complain about with the captain marvel character within the context of Endgame and everything like that they call her deus ex machina and it's just like the problem of saying that is like there's a ton of those all throughout the marvel cinematic universe there's always like these little things that just happen in order for the hero to make it out of whatever's going on because mm-hmm. it's like all right like when thanos Fights the Guardians of the Galaxy in Infinity War. He could have killed all of them, but he lets them live. Right. Like, you know, it's stuff like that. And it's just like, all right, like so. Her just showing up, like, let's just forget that it's a plot convenience for for a moment. But like, but there's more than one plot
1: convenience with her.
0: I mean, but again, the film is designed that way. Right. A film is designed that way by people. But, I mean, like, at the same time, it's like she has already come to Earth. You know, that was the purpose of her post credit scene in uh, her own movie. You know, because they're trying to figure out what Nick Fury's pager is counting down to. Right. She shows up. She talks to them. So, clearly, she has talked to them. You know, War Machine, um, Captain America, and Black Widow. They've clearly had a conversation that's like, Tony's out in space. We have no idea where. Can you help us find them? you know and so again like this is the thing when you have 21 movies that come before one and it's like what are these little pieces that we have to pick up from all of them you know and because captain marvel is still really fresh and you know a lot of us probably have not gone back to see it because we don't really enjoy it that's like one of those little (laughs) things that gets missed um but like yeah so like i mean she flies out finds them but like even Tony coming back to Earth and, like, his interaction with Captain America, which is still super adversarial, because it's, like, he feels like he's been betrayed by Cap. Like, yeah, this was going on and you weren't here to help me. Like, that's essentially what he's saying to him. And he's like, screw it, like, rips off, like, his armor container and just slaps it out. And, like, if you need this, you take this, but I'm done.
1: And it's just, like iron man quitting and then you don't see iron man for a while after yeah. that you don't uh, for like a good half hour it's like a
0: half hour without him and like to think like he's the guy who started it all and like essentially within like the first third of this movie he has quit he has said i'm not doing this and yeah. just like gone on to do his own thing and then by the time we see him again like He's got a family of pepper. He's got a daughter. He's gained he's, some
1: weight back. He's, he's very thin he's when very they, gaunt. <laughs> it, it it looked great. Like, it looked good. They
0: did a good job on that. I don't know if
1: they did that or he did that or what, but it's probably them. But who knows? It, was, it looked great. And uh yeah, he's when next when we see him, he's got a a family with pepper in a little cabin in the woods on a lake where he's got his little I'm guessing she's five years old daughter I think that when he had that dream of Pepper being pregnant I think Pepper was actually pregnant at that point because the girl looks like she could be older than five
0: I don't know like maybe
1: just five
0: I was gonna say she might be a little younger than five she looked kind of kind of tiny but it's hard to tell little kids ages yeah. um like the actress might be five but like they might have been like oh she's like only four some, three or something like that who knows um, you know, but that's, that's like kind of like one of those interesting things where it's like, it started out in a way that you didn't expect that movie to start out, especially like the, with the trailers and everything that we kind of assume, like, I didn't think there'd be a whole lot of just kind of downtime. Let's sit in kind of the sadness and our failure right? for, for so long, which isn't a bad thing. I actually thought it was like, what? For me, helps me think of the movie as as a, as a great film. Like I, I think that's like one of those things where, rather than just saying like the heroes gear up, they go, they take care of business, they figure out exactly what they need to do, and they save everybody. Like they're rudderless, for like you know, even though we're only seeing like, you know. A couple of minutes elapse. Like we know, it's been five years of them being
1: rudderless. When it says five years on screen, it just says five, and there's a long pause. Oh, yeah, and then it slowly says years because you don't know if it's going to say five months, five whatever, but five years is like it's a long time. It's like Shit,
0: five years is a long. Time. I spent a long time not getting this thing done. Um, so like when you kind of come back from that, and and once we finally get kind of the the Ant Man pieces and and really figure out where this film is going, like I don't know, were you were you surprised where they where they kind of started to take
1: that with what, Ant Man? Yeah, with Ant Man, and I think it was interesting that a rat is was the thing that brought him back. The, he so his his van is in this. I don't know if it's like a repo lot. like an impound. Um, And it's in there and has a little quantum realm portal in there. And there's a rat crawling on the dashboard. And the rat just happens to push the right buttons. And turns it on and it brings him back and it shoots him out. And he's he's like, oh, crap. Like, what happened? Where is everyone? Where am I? When am I? And then he kind of... Stumbles through the streets and sees all these missing people posters and finds this uh, little memorial area of all of the the vanished. And he's just looking for his daughter. Not even his wife. His ex-wife.
0: Yeah, just his daughter. Just his
1: daughter. Just his daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and just wants to find Cassie and doesn't see her on there, but he sees his own name because he's been gone for five years. Yep. So, which has only been a few hours for him. So imagine what that's like. Like, going away for a short amount of time. And then, like, you go into a room. You come out of the room. And then everything that you knew is completely changed. And gone. Gone, Half of it's gone. Yeah. It's a desolate wasteland. And, like, where do you go from there? Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that's, like... I think that's something that
0: they set up really well in the film because there's like a lot of emptiness so like the film is very intimate in the way that it shows the characters interacting with one another and kind of interacting with the world but like you literally don't see very many other people outside of like a couple of scenes like right you know and you know that scene of him at the memorial being one of them where it's like one of the few places where you see like a pretty good number of other people on screen, Mm -hmm. but, like, other than that, like, you know, they're showing aerial shots of New York, like, the shot where they have all those boats docked around the statue of everything. bumping into each other. Yeah, it's just, like, there is no one here. Um, Um, and I think that's one of those things that was really interesting that they did really well at, and kind of capturing, like, this is the solitude, this is kind of the desolation that everybody is feeling, but to your point, like, no, I can't, I can't imagine, like, Literally coming out from like a five-hour trip and just everything is different. It's it's like
1: no one, there's nothing you can can compare to that.
0: Yeah. So and and where it goes next, it's like I I'll be honest, like I am very much an avid fan of predicting where movies are going to go. And before walking into Endgame, I knew time travel would be
1: involved. I didn't know until I saw, like, all of these ads on Instagram for these Quantum Realm sweatshirts, which I caved and I bought one. <laughs> um, <laughs> so many people had those walking in the theater. I'm just like... It's the Quantum Realm-inspired one. It's not the one that has, like, the buck. It looks like a sporty yeah, track, yeah, jacket. A track jacket. Yeah, it's a track jacket. Yeah, I know the one you're so, talking about. It well, hasn't come yet in the mail. I'm still waiting. Um, but... You didn't order yours soon enough. You should have had a day one. Saw um, like, I saw like 30 of them walking into the theater. Well, there's there's two different versions. There's It sounds like very similar when describing it, but there's one that has like black drawstrings and one that has white, white draw drawstrings. Strings, yeah. And the one that has white drawstrings is like just a fleece sweatshirt. Yeah. And the black drawstrings is like a track jacket, like different materials yeah, throughout yeah. the whole thing. I was trying to find one that wasn't sixty dollars, yeah. so I found one on Amazon for fifteen. But it's not coming until like May twelfth or June first. Yeah, because they're making it right now. So I gotta wait a little while to get it. But at least it was only fifteen dollars and not sixty. <laughs> but anyway, the the time travel. I didn't going into this. I didn't know that that was really gonna happen. I thought that I s- seen some like spoiler images like a long long time ago like when infinity war was filmed of them with of cap in his first avengers movie in that like what you call his power rangers costume (laughs) i hate it so much um and then there's tony stark in his kind of just like athletic leisure outfit Mm -hmm. but he has like grayish hair so i was like this can't be an old photo and then there's ant-man and i was like wait why is why is ant-man there so i was like okay there's gotta be some kind of like possible time travel and then quantum realm happened and i don't know if they went into an alternate universe or what it was gonna be but it was ended up being a time travel movie and I love time travel movies uh, like it's just and th- it was a different version of a time travel movie that we all know and love like yeah. we know back to the future where if you go into the past you change something your future is going to be mm-hmm. drastically altered they kind of broke that mold with this yeah
0: and I, and I like that they did because like once you get rid of the whole idea that like oh if i go back in time and i change this one thing i can stop myself from existing and like It's like no if you do that you're creating a whole nother time stream like I felt like doing that gave them a little bit more room to work and of course you know no matter what inevitably people are kind of nitpicking on the rules of the time travel and you know I I did in a couple of moments too but like it's just fun seeing them being able to go back to those moments like you know especially going back to the first Avengers movie like and even before that, like, when they realized, like, hey, like, if we go back in this one year, there are three Infinity Stones in New York. Like, yeah. Just thinking
1: about, like, the sheer
0: concentration of things that were kind of happening
1: there. And I was doing that when I was re-watching the movie, I was, movies. I was, like, I was like, wait, in the first Avengers movie, there's two Infinity Stones. Mm-hmm. And then they didn't realize that until they were like, oh, I didn't realize that the... The Time Stone would have been in New York at that time too, and yeah, well, and and the thing is, it's
0: like they were technically wrong about that, which is uh, which is what I think is kind of great about that part of the film because it's like they're like, oh, like Doctor Strange would definitely be there because they didn't really know him until, you know, Infinity War.
1: Yeah, but he wasn't, he wasn't
0: Doctor Strange, and he wasn't Doctor Strange. he was Doctor
1: Strange, but, but he wasn't not.
0: The sorcerer, sorcerer supreme. supreme and so it's like so they're just thinking like oh like obviously he was doing his thing there um but when they like get you know when they go and they find out it's like oh it's like the the ancient one and like the ancient one is literally there like helping fight the chitauri and it's just like one which of those, was really cool yeah, to see you know it's not not something that you would even think of them doing but like to have that in there it was just like really interesting and cool and you know, just to see that effect of someone getting their soul pushed out of their body again, especially when it's it's the Hulk and, and Banner Do- is what flies out. Dr. Hulk. Dr. Hulk, <laughs> Professor Hulk. Uh, I mean, Professor Hulk is, is one of those cool things that I kind of had a feeling that they like that was one of those things that I predicted because, you know, again, you know, we talked a little bit about it before previously where we're talking about like the arc of the Hulk and like almost the battle for the body and getting to that point where they can kind of share in a sense where yeah. it's like, you know, the Hulk can have the body. As long as Banner I have the, can have the mind, like, and it's just like that, that balance was kind of cool to see. Um, interesting that they didn't really let him fight really at all. Like the Hulk didn't yeah, no, fight didn't. anybody.
1: And just in when they went back in time and they were like, okay, like, we all kind of have to pretend to be who we were at that time, but not interact with ourselves yeah. at all. And they were like, Ben, you're going to have to smash some things. And he shows up in like, Oak had some style in this, yeah, shirt. No, in, in, this good, he, in this movie. He had some good style, but he shows up in like a shirt and pants. and He had to rip his shirt off. And he's like, Oh, I guess it's all for the cause. And he's kind of walking around and he's just like, ah, smash. Like it. it's so good. So yeah, good. but
0: yeah, like just being able to kind of see those different moments and and kind of what was happening there—it was, it was just a lot of fun. Like, you know, again, I mean, we talk a lot about Captain America and, and kind of this previous part, but like, I think the Cap stuff in that sequence was some of the most fun. Like, it's
1: just you want to talk about, it, just go for it. Oh, it's, it's like I don't even know how to describe it. It's everything. We've always wanted, but we didn't know we wanted. Cap gets in the elevator with these S.H.I.E.L.D. agents who have the Tesseract in the suitcase. And it's the exact setup from Winter Soldier. Where at that point in Winter Soldier, they're all HYDRA. And he knows that. But in here, they haven't come out as HYDRA yet in the first Avengers movie. And it's a setup where we think... Is he going to fight them again? Mm -hmm. What is he going to do? Is he kind of just going to not do anything? But he leans in to the guy who has the case and he says, Hail Hydra. And we're all like, oh my gosh. (laughs) But like, for those of you who have read the comics, you know that Cap becomes part of Hydra. He's like brainwashed Mm -hmm. to become a part of Hydra. And it's a nice homage to that moment. But then going forward from there, he runs into himself in the hallway and the the Cap from the original timeline of the Avengers thinks that the Cap from Endgame is Loki disguising mm-hmm. himself as Cap. And he eventually fights himself. And it's something that's happened in the comics multiple times where there's multiple different versions of Captain America and I never even had the idea of having that in a movie and Mm -hmm. thinking how we would get that but we finally got to that point and it was it was incredible
0: I mean Captain America telling himself I can do this all day and him (laughs) just
1: responding yeah yeah I I know (laughs) like it's just you had to put it in this movie but I just love how he kind of made fun of himself for it yeah, I've been like, I, I
0: was almost surprised there wasn't like another language moment, like from uh, Age of Ultron. <laughs> you know, Cap saying something, and someone going language. Uh, but oh man, yeah, just that whole sequence was great, and the fact that like they failed in their mission in part, and like, you know, that moment where Tony and Cap have to like really work together again and to make the decision, like, hey we have to go back in time again. We're out of Pym Particles. We're not going to be able to make a return trip. Where can we go to make sure that we both get the Tesseract, which we lost, because surprise, like, in this one timeline, Loki now has a Tesseract again. What does that mean for the universe? But beyond that, like, they have to go back and try to get the Tesseract at at an earlier time. How do they do that? And how do they get more Pym Particles to get back to the future? And, like, just them kind of figuring that out together, making that decision as Ant-Man's like, Hey guys, like what's going on? Don't do something stupid. And they're like, we got this. Don't worry. We have to do something stupid in order to survive. Like seeing them willing to kind of make that leap together again, especially after like, it's been a really long time since we have seen Captain America and Iron Man on the same side. Like they've been fighting, I mean, they've fought the entire time that they were. I mean, they've been adversarial, but, like, since Civil War, like, we haven't had them really on screen together at all.
1: You know? Right. And I think it's really interesting at that point in the movie where they realize we have to use our last bit of PIM particles to go back into the few, to the past again. And for them to kind of realize we may not come back from this. And to see that ultimate selfless act of, I'm I'm okay with that. I'm okay if I don't come back, as long as it saves the other half of the universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, that part
0: was just really cool. And I mean, like, there's, obviously there's a lot of, like, subtle moments in their kind of return trip that a lot of people probably wouldn't even think twice about, like... Uh, you know Howard Stark coming in looking for Armin Zola and like even the base that they go to being the base from Winter Soldier mm-hmm. that uh, Armin's consciousness is on the computer and everything like that and you know Tony
1: interacting with Howard Stark like like almost like finally and that part's really interesting because in the scene where we see Iron seeing Tony Stark in the cabin after the five years with his family he wants nothing to do with time travel or going Mm -hmm. back before they actually do the the time heist he's doing dishes in the sink and there's a picture on the shelf above the sink of Howard Stark and you think oh he's looking at it he's reminiscing about his father but then he reaches past that and pulls out a picture of him and Peter him and Peter and it makes you think like wow he really doesn't have any connection with his father but then going him going back to that point point. And he just creates this connection with his dad that he never had before. And it was like, it was a truly beautiful thing. Oh, and yeah. now, like, I think he would reach for that picture of his dad now instead of, I wouldn't yeah. say instead of Peter, but. I, you know. don't,
0: I don't know if it would ever be instead of Peter. But because, he would. Well, because, I mean, I think the thing that's really important and I, I love, I absolutely. One of my favorite things that they did with the Iron Man character was giving him Peter Parker Because I think what it allowed him to do was to kind of really reach into that kind of idea of fatherhood. Because, like, even the conversation that he is having with Pepper about, like, you know, children and everything like that. I don't think if he had... I think if he had not met Peter, that conversation wouldn't have happened. And so, like, his experience with Peter in Civil War and then in Homecoming, it was kind of like one of those... I could do this like like I, I could be that figure like I can I can be stern if I need to I can watch with the excitement as this kid figures things out like he did the calculus like because I mean that's the thing like Tony Stark is a character that's always thinking and so he really started to reach in and think well you know I got pretty pretty good genetics Pepper is pretty on our game like if we have a kid we know this kid's gonna be all right. You know, and, and from what I've seen with Peter over here, I can I can do an okay job at being a dad. I didn't have the best dad, or I don't think I had the best dad,
1: which is like another thing that I'm, was kind of really my important. My dad at that point wasn't really there, wasn't really wasn't around, really around. to be the best dad. Yeah.
0: And so it's like for him to kind of have all of those realizations, like I, I think that was like really interesting. And and so again, like when we when we think about Tony Stark's overall character development, like Civil War and Peter Parker is like one of the most important pieces in that in getting us to like the mid film version of him in Endgame, you know, like finally getting there to who he was always kind of supposed to be or who he always could be at his best, not just who he could be as the best superhero he could be.
1: Yeah, it's, it's there's definitely been that development for him that we thought that we never really would have gotten, because he's always been this kind of playboy of a guy, mm-hmm. and for him to kind of finally settle down, I think more because he was forced to, mm-hmm. and realize like I lucked out and I got Pepper survived. Yeah. Let me kind of think now is the time to create a family, and while he's doing that, he. He kind of is thinking about the time travel that they brought up and he somehow figures it out and curses in front of his daughter and then she curses and it's...
0: That's <laughs> real, that seems so cute. That like, was great. Everything with that little girl was like adorable. I like, I'll be honest. I love there. I can't think of a single moment with Tony Stark in this film that I did not like. And like, there have been times in the past where I haven't always been the biggest Tony Stark fan. No, like Sam there have been many times where I was like, I'm done with Iron Man. I need them to write him out of the films and everything like that. And then like between infinity between, well actually between homecoming infinity war and this, I was like, I am actually going to miss this character and what they have done with him
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know? But like, yeah, it's just like, even thinking about the fact that like, sure. Like, you know, his father was killed by the father, and mother were killed by the winter soldier, whatever. That's leave that in the past. You know the fact that he really was the only character the only one of our main characters that we've been following for a really long time who didn't lose anything as a result of the sound or didn't lose anybody other than like be his other, teammates you know other th- with other than his teammates other than Peter you know that being like the lone thing that he has kind of continually felt that guilt about over the course of that time like He literally moved on with the exception of that one thing and that one thing eating at him and like continuing to like make him try out all of these scenarios in the background so that when someone actually comes and asks him, oh, what about time travel? He's like, no, we couldn't possibly do that. But then he just goes back over to his computer where he's been trying to figure out time travel for the last five years. And he's like, oh, this was the last piece that we, that I needed. Hey, we can do this. I'm going to let everybody wait for, like, you know, probably another day or two, right. and then I'm going to go yeah. over
1: there. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and it's, uh, the time travel was just, like, a really a nice piece that they really added to this that yeah. I never thought we would get. And him just being like, oh, let me just try this out. Yeah, it works. <laughs> <laughs> and then comes speeding over in his, uh, sports car, and finally gets gives Cap his shield back. But it what you said about him kind of not losing everyone, he had someone who was lost. Yeah. That he got back because yeah. of this. Because everyone was lost, he kind of regained his Oh, well, he got Pepper back. Well, he regained his relationship with Captain America. Got that, that he, too. Yeah. That was kind of gone. And we didn't really we weren't sure if it was gonna come back, mm-hmm. but
0: yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's a lot to, and, and I mean, like, that's the thing, like, although Endgame is the culmination of like, what I would say is like the kind of three main characters and then a few side characters, like, you know, this is a culmination for iron man and captain America first. Like it's, it's really their film at the core. And then to a lesser extent, Thor to a lesser extent than Thor Hulk and then you know you have your Hawkeyes and your your Black Widows and then everybody else, and it's just like to really kind of dive into that and, and start to look at that and how that's kind of divvied up. It was really really interesting because I think they knew. Like I, I think you know again having the Russos be the directorial team that was kind of making this film and kind of still kind of bringing things. Like sure they went all the way back to the beginning. They brought stuff from you know, kind of the lesser-liked Marvel films like, you know, The ages, Age of Ultron and, you know, and some of, like, the Iron Man films that maybe not as many people like. They grab stuff from those, um, but we're still like, hey, like, we're going to root this in, like, the feeling, the emotion, the, the real character that our films have had. And so it's like, even though it was, like, a full-on you know Avengers film it had that feeling of a smaller kind of winter soldier you know it it had that really intimate really kind of almost serious feel and yes there were still kind of those jokes in there like they used Thor to really you know Thor is really the main comedic element for this film
1: Thick Thor Thick Thor Thick Thor with three C's and two K's (laughs) 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 who is who I kind of compare to as like Fat Elvis.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, he's Fat Elvis. Like a lot
1: of people compared him to the dude from The Big Lebowski. I mean, like, which was funny because Tony said that, and the dude was in the first Iron Man movie. The so dude I that was, was the was, villain of the first Iron Man. Perfect. It was perfect.
0: It was, and, and but I mean, again, like those are the those are the little things. Those are the little details that like people may not even think about or pick up on until they like really go back and like you know, watch the YouTube video or listen to the podcast where people are talking about all of those Easter eggs, you know, but, you know, we were, we were talking about this before. It's just like the idea of the way that Thor was used and how, you know, again, not everybody's going to like it. Um, but like the way that they kind of have kind of turned his arc on, on its head. Like, I think Thor more than any other character within the
1: MCU has had like the most low points ups and downs has just been like non-stop for him And hopefully after this it's kind of just been it's gotta it's, just it's, it's gotta go up it's gotta go up and just kind of stay yeah. at one point for a while because I don't know if I could take much more of Thor being at his low points yeah. where yeah <laughs> Yeah, like, He's, I mean,
0: like, so, like, I mean, the thing is, like, Thor, like, just thinking about Thor's progression, it's like we had unworthy Thor. Like, that's the first Thor right. we get. Thor has to prove his worthiness. All right, he gets that. Thor the Dark World, I can't actually remember what happens in Thor the
1: Dark World, other than the Aether. Loki, uh, his pretends. Hand gets to be cut open. off. Um, they kind of team up. That's pretty much it and then his is girlfriend is kind of just like annoying through the whole thing <laughs> yeah
0: i don't uh what but, but fast forwarding through that you know so thor lost his girlfriend his entire his friends are killed by hella his dad is killed by hella basically he is his, his mother has passed away in the in the second movie or was murdered in the segment so he has literally lost everything well his
1: dad's not killed
0: by hella is that kind of decides? I mean, it's he, he time disintegrates for him to move on. Yes. He becomes one with the Odin Force or whatever. <laughs> fine, fine. So next,
1: next Thor movie, the Odin Force. <laughs> yeah.
0: But it's like, alright, cool. Like Thor Thor is doing his thing. He is just trying to deal. He becomes the leader of his people. He becomes like truly like Thor Odin son, full on Odin Force Thor and then immediately after kind of getting all of that Thanos comes wreck just just wrecks everything he loses half of his people he then loses another half of his people during the snap and so it's like like sure people might be like upset that thor is down at the slowest point again but this point is even lower than it was before because he also had the opportunity
1: to kill Thanos he finally does it and it still doesn't matter yeah whatever you do is not good enough like whether thanos is dead or alive whatever you do with thanos is never gonna be whatever you hope it to be yeah
0: like he finally he goes for the head you know he he fulfills i I went for the head (laughs) i like i love that he that he that he does that and that he says that that he responds to it and it's like again it just it still does not matter and like I think there's an aspect to that that I kind of love. And, like, I I know we're all the way back at the beginning of the film, but, like, I just really love that for his character and kind of setting up, like, why he is on this downward spiral. Because it's, like, you know, if you've literally, if you feel like you've done literally everything that you can do and it still doesn't matter, like, where would you be at? You know, and so it's, like, even though he is, you know, he's a fictional god, you know... He still feels this. And, like, it gets really back to that whole idea of, like, humanizing these characters. Like, we've all had those moments where, like, no matter what I do, I I can't get this thing done. Or I can't be successful. Or I
1: can't... I've had them. those moments in real life, too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, and so it's like watching this character on TV who's just, like, drinking and, you know, just diving into video games. He's and looking like, like melted ice cream. He, Yeah. You know, just like letting himself go. It's like, it's, it was something that was so relatable. And so it's like the way that each of these characters dealt with grief in their own way, I think is like really what's exceptional about this film. Like some people were pouring themselves into the work and trying to figure out how to solve other problems since they couldn't solve this problem some people were trying to help others, and some people just were worried about themselves. And like, just seeing that, just seeing that, that myriad of ways that, that people try to deal with this stuff, I think, you know, especially knowing that, you know, I, at the time that we're recording this, you know, I just looked at the numbers, all right? Endgame had a $1.2 billion worldwide opening. It made thir- $350 million in the US opening weekend. Like, this is literally the biggest film of all time. And for the biggest film of all time to have a message about the way that we process and handle grief as, like, literally, like, the first half of the film, you know, or, you know, first third Third. of the film, however we want to look at it. Because, I mean, like, some of the Thor stuff extends past that halfway point because he's, he's dealing with that during his part of the heist, you know. Iron Man, Tony Stark is dealing with his issues when he is meeting his dad towards the end of the heist. Like, I mean, there's so much of that stuff that is dealt with through so much of the film. Even a lot of the nebulous stuff where it's like trying to please a, a, a father figure who doesn't really care for you and kind of seeing what that looks like and like the self harm in a lot of senses that comes with that. Like, being able to have all of those different messages couched in this superhero movie where it's like everything is relatable in this way and speak doesn't diminish it like i think that's something that's really important about this like it's not just like hey
1: some bad stuff happened people get over it they move on it's like well, which no, is no. what cap was kind of saying when he created that support group we all kind of need to move on but there's people out there that they can't yeah they can't said we can't like he comes back
0: and he's talking to black widow and he's like we can't move on and it's like that's real like you know even even within the support group so it's like uh, uh
1: i think it's joe russo joe russo and there's some kind of i don't know if he's a writer or if yeah. he's an if he's a illustrator for marvel but i don't i got a, a weird feeling that he did something with like the Infinity Gauntlet comics. I think
0: I think he was like the ma- I want to say he's like the main writer for those comics, but I could be wrong. But even like in Joe Russo's part during that support group and he's just talking about like, all right, like he went to meet this guy for a date and everything like that. And just like like the fact that they took turns crying because of like the the snap and the aftermath right. of that. And it's yeah. just like that's real. Like, you know, because you know again like a lot of a lot of the superhero movies as we know them kind of came in the wake of of 9-11. And so like there is like a bit of that kind of response still in a lot of the superhero movies that we watch now. And it's like, that it felt really kind of reminiscent of that to me, where it's like, you remember where you were when it happened. You know, you remember, you know, if you lost someone, you remember who you lost. Or if you were worried about someone, you know who you were worried about. And it's like watching this film, it kind of had some of those echoes of that moment, too.
1: Yeah, I think it's really interesting what you're saying about how each character is coping in their own way, where Tony Stark is kind of just like, okay, it's time for me to settle down. But Thor is... He's developed a drinking problem from it, Mm -hmm. but he's also created a place where all of the... Asgardians Guardians can kind of live, he's kind of created this place that he calls New Asgard, mm-hmm. where it's very Viking-like fishing and all this kinds of stuff like that. But then there's him and Korg inside playing Fortnite, and Korg talking to this this little <laughs> he's got this dickhead on the on the TV, but like <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's really. Interesting to see that contrast, but mm-hmm. they're not that far off. Like the yep. way that Thor and Tony Stark are coping with it. It's kind of like, we can't do anything. I'm here. And it, it is what it is. But then there's people like Captain America who are trying to help other people mm-hmm. cope. But and it's kind of like a facade that he's yep. created when he can't cope himself and he goes back to Scarlet. Mm-hmm. Not the Scarlet Witch, um, Black Widow, Widow Scarlet Johansson, and says, you know, we can't cope, we can't stop. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, I mean,
0: I I felt like a lot of that was just just brilliant. I mean, they did they did such a good job with kind of and again, it's not like it wasn't just like cheap emotionality because it's like there's a lot of things that they could have done to just be like, hey, feel something here. Like it was like it was done in the right way. It was done in a well-written way. It made sense for each of the characters, and like, you know, again, even even the heist, save for like one piece, which I, I'm interested to hear if you agree with me on this piece of the heist. So, you know, I thought up until the heist they were doing a, a pretty decent job with Black Widow and her character and everything like that. But during the heist, I felt myself kind of feeling a bit let down. So, um, you know, obviously, Black Widow and Hawkeye are paired together. They're at Vormir, and they have to deal with... Uh, not deal with... you know, basically, the Red Skull gives us a little spiel. You have to sacrifice the thing that you love the most in order to, you know, receive the stone. And like...
1: <sighs> so... I'm kind of in the same struggle that you're in with the with those two characters specifically in the time heist where we're watching everybody else in the time heist and it's really cool to see the way mm-hmm. it's filmed. They, I don't know if they're using clips from old movies or re-angling them right. and stuff like that which I love to see that kind of stuff especially in time movies. And then halfway through all of that with, in the Avengers aspect of it and then them dealing with Thor... And I'm kind of just like, well, where's Black Widow and Hawkeye? Like, I kind of forgot about them for a mm-hmm. second. But then I'm like, they're not really showing them that much. And then they get there, and they're felt they're faced with this big dilemma that they have. Like, is it me or is it you? And they kind of both wanted to be them. So it's just, it was. It's not, their I feel like their aspect of it was not a time heist. No. No. I guess you could say that. Yeah. It, the only aspect was that they got there before Thanos. Mm-hmm. But I would have liked to maybe have seen a part where, but they couldn't even do that. Like if they were to go back into their past and we know more about their past, which hopefully we will in the yeah. the Black Widow standalone prequel movie. I think that's the thing, too, because
0: it's like, oh, like, you know, they're flying the ship, and they're like, it's better than Budapest, and it's just like, you know, that's something that's been said kind of throughout this series of films about Budapest, and and sure, maybe nothing actually happened in Budapest, but Nick Fury will happen
1: in Budapest.
0: Yeah, Nick Fury name-dropped it in Captain Marvel, too. Yeah, I
1: think that something's going to happen in the, the Black Widow movie. Yeah,
0: but it's just like, it's one of those things where because we technically haven't had enough time with those characters and and maybe it's not even enough time because we haven't seen their direct adventures it's like we're just taking a lot on faith like clearly they have a long history of working together because we're told that and and that's that's the issue and we could see how close they are based on how they interact with each other too yeah we're told a lot and we're shown very little and so when we get to that scene Besides just its handling in general, the fact that one of them has to sacrifice themselves, and it really could have been either one, it just felt a bit hollow. And it felt like, to me at least, you know, I know people have mixed feelings on Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow throughout her time in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I personally feel like when she first came in, I was a little unsure of her in Iron Man 2, but like, you know getting into the Avengers, like I thought she was going in a place that was actually kind of cool and interesting. I liked her paired up with captain America in favorite. I think that was yeah. like, that was my favorite part of my black widow. Like, yeah. Black widow being like, you know, being side by side with captain America, like they were a great team. All right. And so seeing her with cap throughout all those films was, was really interesting. And, we just didn't necessarily get enough time one on one between her and Hawkeye for that relationship to feel like what we were supposed to assume it was based on the actions that took place on Vormir. Like them fighting over who was going to sacrifice themselves and everything. I just, it, it didn't feel like we had enough time with those characters to like really understand the weight of the decision of who it was going to be. And, you know, I know they would started the film with Hawkeye losing his family. And so, like, we're supposed to kind of, in a sense, we're supposed to be emotionally grounded with him. Um, and the fact that Black Widow's family was just the Avengers, I guess we were supposed to be like, oh, well, it's ending anyway. Mm-hmm we should be okay with her going but I don't know it just it still felt to me like they failed that character based on what they had done with her over the the course of the previous films
1: yeah I I mean for me I'm not a huge Hawkeye fan so personally there's gonna be people out there hate me for saying this I kind of was hoping that it was gonna be Hawkeye Mm -hmm. and there was a point where it looked like it was until she jumps down and she Grappling hooks him and kind of the role is reversed then and he's holding on and saving her and then Ultimately She lets go and she falls and she dies, which I don't know if it is But it looked like it was the same exact position that Gamora was in But I mean it was I was kind of said That it was Black Widow um especially going into that section and us being like, well, it's obviously going to be Hawkeye because there's not a lot of Hawkeye fans. But thinking back on it, the whole reason why Hawkeye is doing this is to save his family. So that's how the whole movie starts. So I kind of like now thinking back on it, how it ended up in that he gets to be back with Mm -hmm. his daughter who he calls hawkeye they never really say the name hawkeye at any point in the mcu at all i think there's maybe one other time but i mean i don't think it was a great ultimate end to black widow but i'm i'm kind of okay with it Yeah, I
0: mean, I guess the way that I would put it is, like, I just don't feel like it was the end that she deserved. It's not necessarily that, like, I'm not okay with the character, you know, dying or leaving the MCU. It's just, because, I mean, again, we're going to get a Black Widow movie. It's just the way that it was handled felt weird.
1: And it kind of reminds me, thinking of it now, of them fighting over who's going to die. In Civil War, they're they're on opposite teams, mm-hmm. and they're fighting each other, and she says to him, are we still friends? And he says something along the lines of, well, it depends on how much you hurt me. Yeah. And it's nice to see that even though they're on opposite teams and they're fighting against each other, they can still have that strong bonded relationship that they've always had. Yeah. Even all the way up until the ultimate end mm-hmm. of one of them.
0: Yeah and I I guess the other reason I, I'm more invested in this Black Widow relationship than probably anybody else but like the other part of the reason why I was a little bit perturbed by it is like I wanted I wanted Hulk you know okay, I wanted yeah. I wanted Banner and Black Widow to get their like goodbye moment cuz we we technically never got it you know so at the end of Avengers Age of Ultron He's in the Quinjet, he's flying away, she's trying to be like, hey buddy, like, don't go. Something's getting real low. Something's getting real low. Dude flies off to Sakar. he's just gone. He shows back up in Infinity War, and I, I just watched this earlier, he's basically just like, oh hey, um, we don't really have time to talk because uh, this dude named Thanos is coming and he's going to destroy everything. And that was it. Like, we didn't really get much else in terms of, you know, them really having, like, their final moments. And, you know, clearly, like, they just, like, completely drifted apart. And so I feel like because that was something that they had been building with, like, you know, the Banner-Black Widow interaction, like, we see that really start in the first Avengers movie. Because Black Widow is the one who tracks down Banner And, like, really, the Avengers movies are kind of, like, tracking their relationship and where it's (laughs) at. And so to not really get, like, real closure on that, I I think that's, like, the other part of it for me. That's, like, kind of weird. And I I know it shouldn't be like that, but, like, it's just something that I can't stop thinking about.
1: Yeah, and I think their, their interaction when she sees him as Professor Hulk... Is really interesting and I don't I'm not sure how she felt about it at that point because it's just like I don't I think we think that she's more into Banner and not Hulk so I think her seeing Banner as Hulk in that moment and them being one I think she's kind of just like I'm okay with us not being together anymore yeah yeah. And I mean, I guess to, to almost counter my
0: own point about not really getting that closure. I mean, I think there is a bit when, when they do make the, you know, Stark Tech version of the Infinity Gauntlet, which is pretty awesome. But like when Professor Hulk is like, I'm the only one with a body who can use it. They should never show them making it. They never, they, but you don't need to. Like, I mean, that's not important. Like, that's not important. Like, maybe they got some like Urdu metal because like, I mean, the whole thing is like, you know they had like to get Stormbreaker to like, they had to fly out to, you know, giant Peter Denklage to get that made. And like, you know, for whatever reason, like they didn't have to get any of that stuff to do this. Or maybe they did, maybe I missed that part. Maybe when I go see it again, they'll talk about it. But when they made,
1: when they showed them making that, not making the gauntlet, but at that point with the heart of the dying star and it only being the strong enough thing that can hold mm-hmm. the stones, how did they even, like, make something that was even strong enough to hold the stones? I mean, we've seen people hold the stones or attempt to hold I the stones soon. without the movie. And there are some stones that are stronger than others. Like, there are pretty much two stones that you can't hold. You can't hold the power stone because we've seen what happened in Gardens of the Galaxy. And then you can't really hold the Reality Stone, or known as the ether, because it just takes over you and kind of turns you evil. But all the other stones... The Space Stone you can hold for a short amount of time until it kind of starts to burn. Like, Nick Mm -hmm. Fury picked it up while it was in the Tesseract. He had a glove on. You could see that it was kind of like starting to burn through his glove. And then the other ones, they don't have... They're not a powerful stone, but mm-hmm. the power that the stone can create is a lot. So you can pick up the mind stone with, like, an average human could pick those things up. Mm-hmm. Only, like, Peter Quill can hold the power stone because he was part celestial. And even then, he was starting to break apart right. while he was holding it. Which I needed kind of to, like, offset the power through the rest of the Guardians. Which is kind of like a. Foreshadowing to what it would look like when everyone else kind of turns to dust. Like yeah. That was kind of where you kind of saw that that's first true. CGI effect. And then you can, you know, back to the other stones. Like you can pick them up. You could pick up the time, mm-hmm. the soul, and the missing one. Mind. Mind. Yeah. I'm always missing one. There's it's always, always one. There's <laughs> always one that's couldn't just have the five. You had to <laughs> have six. <laughs> Yeah,
0: but I mean, like, I, I mean, uh, and that's, but I, I think that's, that's, that's the thing. Like, we don't really see that. And and that's part of where I'm like, sometimes we just need to turn our minds off where it's like, all right, like, do I need to see them make it? No, they have everything that they need to make it cool. That's good enough. Um, you know, but to, to my earlier point, like Hulk knowing that it's going to damage him you know, or Banner Professor Hulk, whatever we want to call him, knowing that it's going to be damaging to him. Like, I think part of that is that almost self-sacrifice. You know, knowing, oh, you know, Nat didn't come back so that we could do this. Like, I'm willing to put it all on the line. And like, it wasn't just like, hey, I'm the strongest one here. I can do it. Because knowing that, right, Professor Hulk is considerably weaker strength-wise than full-blown hulk yeah and full-blown hulk was beaten by thanos with like technically he was beaten by thanos with no stones like thanos had one stone stone, which was the power stone which would have made him stronger he already was But was he using it at the time we don't we don't know and so it's like all right like folk folk hulk already got beat down by thanos he's technically like at half power while he's in professor Hulk mode. And he's still willing to do this thing that he knows basically cost Thanos the use of half of his body, you know? And so it's like, we know that that's partially self-sacrifice. And I'm, I'm, you know, again, if I watch it again, maybe he says a line that's directed at black Widow's sacrifice, but like, maybe we are supposed to assume that that is a part of it. But like, I still really would have loved to see like one last scene shared between the two of them.
1: Yeah, and him being half-powered Hulk is because what powers the Hulk is the rage Mm -hmm. and the angrier he gets, the stronger he gets and him saying that the thing that made him angry is the thing that's going to potentially kind of keep him alive through the snap was like Kind of poetic, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean,
0: I mean, that's that. That brings us to like All Out War. I mean, because that's the literally the last thing is the Hulk snap before
1: Thanos's ship, which is really hard for him to do. Like watching him Dude, struggle like to getting get electrocuted the entire time. Like, it, and I thought it was really interesting to see them make the gauntlet be the right hand because mm. going back to, to Ragnarok where Hela is kind of walking through Odin's kind of vault and saying like, Oh, that's fake. Mm. This is fake. And saying that the, uh, infinity gauntlet was fake there. If you go back and look at it, it's the right hand, gauntlet. it's not the left-handed gauntlet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, that's so cool. That's so cool.
0: But I mean, the, the thing Stark Tech. All right, and this is like where we get like real nitpicky. It's like technically, couldn't it change hands because it was like a lot of nanotech in there? Because when when Thanos tries to use it later, he tries to put it on. Oh, he, uh, puts he puts it on, it on, it on the, right. He puts hand. on the right hand. Puts it on his right hand. Never mind.
1: Yeah, and then yeah, okay. So it was all right-handed. Yeah. Uh, but, but one thing about the original Infinity Gauntlet, going way back to the beginning, to of the, the beginning, yeah, is. He still has it on when they find him, even though his arm and half of his body is and, destroyed. And he's destroyed
0: the stones, like he's still because he can't get it
1: off. Is, is it melted? I is think his it's hand. Melted? I think it's
0: fused to his hand.
1: Okay. I mean, I, I again, like it's going to be like, why have that on when you don't need to carry that thing around
0: with you anymore? But I imagine it's probably because like it melted in such a way that he just could not get it off without like causing himself like immense pain. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I mean, the, well, like, that whole sequence is just awesome. When they, like, get the stones, Banner's, like, trying to snap, you know, does the snap. You're like, oh, great, I think everybody's
1: back. Like, Hawkeye gets the call from his wife. But, like, at first when it happens, nothing it's not happens. clear that anything like, happened. You would think that all these people just appear out of nowhere, but yeah. that's not what happened. It's just kind of, like, it's a slow build of mm-hmm. these people coming back into the lives like you were saying like hawkeye's phone going off and then um ant-man kind of going out and seeing like birds on the trees yeah. and things like that okay.
0: and and that's the other thing too because it's like when we when we first experience the snap we're just thinking like oh it's people but it's like it's all like half of all existence all living things all living things and so for like for trees and you know insects and birds and everything to be back it's like yeah, Ant-Man would be the character that would be, like, more acutely aware of that, because he spends time being small, and you know, and so, like, for he, he probably heard a whole bunch of ants suddenly or, like, <laughs> what happened? We're back! Like, for the Queen! And, like, you know, that moment where he's, like, at the window, but then Thanos' ship just, like, comes out of nowhere and just missiles, just rains down missiles, right. and you see him, like, you see him, like, As the explosion's happening, reduce in size to, like, get away from
1: the explosion. Like, that sequence is so cool. But pausing on the stones... (laughs) If you had to pick one Infinity Stone, which one would you pick? I would
0: probably pick the... I would pick the Time Stone not to change anything um, because like I'm really against like changing things in time right. I'm like you know my personal beliefs is, are that things happen as they should um, and even if I don't like the outcomes like that's what's supposed to happen but there are things that I would love to in a sense re-experience or go back and look at like where I'm at now and I think the time stone would be really cool for that like I don't know how much you can really do or how it really works but like if I could just like essentially turn a dial go back experience something and then turn it back and go back to present day that would be pretty cool
1: I, don't, I, I honestly don't know what I would pick we don't know all of the properties of the Soul Stone still yeah which I don't know if we're gonna find out in the next movies or in disney plus streaming Mm -hmm. stuff or what but i was also gonna say time stone not to go back and like change things but well maybe it changed things (laughs) (laughs) actually but nothing like major just like you never have enough time in the day kind of thing where uh, that's a pretty lame answer but no but i mean like even being able to like get more
0: stuff done or change like your focus on things like you know stuff that's like
1: non world changing (laughs) might be interesting Yeah, i think the uh the reality stone could also be a really cool one Mm. but based on what they show in thor the dark world they make it seem like it's a really like evil sided thing but think about changing Reality and people's perspective of reality, and how like that could be like a really interesting thing to do. Like, it could
0: be, but like at the same time, like I, I mean, just for amusement purposes. Yeah, I mean for fun, great. Yeah, because I mean like that's the that's the slippery slope because it's like once we start changing people's perceptions, it's just like when how far is too far? Right, is is kind of the question. So it's like, what do you? What do you fully do with that? Um, But no, it's such an interesting question. And I think that is one of the things that I would say is a little bit of a shortcoming of the, the films. It's like we don't fully understand all of the stones and what they do or how they're used. And so we understand how they're used in tandem and how they can, you know, essentially make anything that you want happen. But we don't necessarily... You know, save for a few, we don't necessarily know how they work. And I think that would be that would be interesting to see in something like, you know, they're supposedly working on these inter- Eternals movies. So, like, if one of the stones shows up in there that we haven't had a whole lot of time with and can learn more about, I think that would be pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I think that's where we're going to learn more about properties of the stones that we don't know about, which is then... I mean, I'm guessing the Eternals movie is going to be the ultimate prequel. Yeah. Movie, like, it's going to kind of show them creating the Infinity Stones. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see how that all works out. Um, you know, but... You know, and, and it's weird, too, like, thinking about... Thinking about, like, a post-Infinity Stone... Marvel Universe like I know we're, we're skipping some stuff that happens here but like we'll get to it but like you know now that they're essentially not an issue in the universe that we are watching in MCU Prime if we will to borrow from the the DC next streaming universe, service <laughs> um, is MCU Prime I would pay for MCU Prime oh absolutely I, I waste my money on DC Universe I would probably pay for <laughs> MCU Prime um, but like what does that look like and would somebody you know there's there's that part of me that keeps thinking like will they do something in the future where someone comes over from another timeline or another you know universe with infinity stones knowing that the prime universe doesn't have them anymore in order to like take over or something like that like is that something that we can see
1: yeah I think it's going to get really dicey if they start doing time stuff again because it's already kind of dicey that like getting into it can get really confusing really easy. Like, how do we get this character back? Like, oh, we went back into this mm-hmm. time period and picked them up from there and brought them back. And then yeah, if the properties of time travel are different in the MCU compared to, you know, Back to the Future or any other time movie, it kind of gets confusing. But... It's it's something that can... I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see what they do with all of that. But hopefully they can... Like you're saying, them bringing the time... The Infinity Stones back... Hopefully could lead to Adam
0: Warlock. Well, I mean, I don't even think that needs to... I think they're going to do Adam Warlock regardless. Which I point.
1: was really hoping for in this, and I was... Kind of disappointed. Everyone was like, if you've read the comic, you know that Adam Warlock is the one to kind of eventually become the wielder of the Infinity Gauntlet at the end of the novel. But they. It's a novel. It's a book. <laughs> no, nah, I guess. Just- <laughs> there's, there's other spin offs of it, so it could be a novel, <laughs> graphic novel um in Guardians 2 in one of the post post-credit scenes they reference Adam Morlock which mm-hmm. I don't who are those people called again the the, the go- gold the gold, gold people the gold people have a uh, a pod mm-hmm. if you will and they say what will you name him and one of them says I'll name him Adam and at that point all of like, the super nerds were like oh, Adam Warlock, like he's mm-hmm. gonna happen he's gonna come in Infinity Wars at that point because yeah. Guardians 2 is before Infinity he's gonna come in Infinity Wars he's gonna come to the end he's gonna save everyone and if not and then when they found out that we're gonna split the two movies in half mm-hmm. like he's gonna come and he's gonna save them at the end which was I was kind of hoping but it's kind of an obvious thing Thing to happen if you're going according to the timeline of what actually happened in the comics, which a friend of a friend of mine said that they found what Marvel what the MCU is using as their timeline mm-hmm. like what comics they're using for these yeah. movies and I'm really interested to find out what those are and to read them and kind of get some more insight, hopefully explain some things that are not explained yet but yeah, hmm. yeah. I mean,
0: I think it would have been really hard to add in yet another character, especially one that no one, no one who outside of comic book readers would know. Right? He
1: would have been like Captain Marvel and swooped in at the end and kind of just saved everyone. End of yeah. story. Well, I mean, well, I mean, considering the number of
0: characters that were in that that end sequence, like it would have been really hard to. Because, I mean, like, all right, so you, you're bringing back everybody that we know and love in, like, the best way possible, you know? So, like, just to, like, go back, you know, just just, just to that moment. So, you know, we have Cap, Thor, and Iron Man are facing off with Thanos, and we're, like, this battle is... is it's brutal. It's, like, heartfelt. And, like, you know, these three original Avengers, original recipe Avengers, are just going at it with the Mad Titan. And it's awesome. And, like, you know, Thor has Mjolnir. He has Stormbreaker. He's, you know, trying his best. He's, he loses one. Cap
1: gets the other. Which, oh, my gosh. Don't even get me started. It was the... I levitated out of my seat with pure <laughs> euphoria, just of uh, <laughs> I an mean, excitement, just the, I don't know what the people around me thought was happening with me at that point <laughs> in the theaters, but I was just, there was that point in the movie, it was the, oh shit, just went over the whole, mm-hmm. the whole audience. And it's like, and Thor
0: kind of had that moment too, but like, a little bit different because he was like, I knew it. He was like, he knew that Captain America d- could do this thing. And it's just like, so like, we're really looking like the final battle, like sure, Thanos ship came in, shot some missiles, but like this is really where the final battle is like starting up. And so it's like, we're seeing all of this wild stuff happen. And like, it's just three characters fighting Thanos at this point. It's just Captain America, Iron Man and Thor. And like, they're doing their best. They're doing some badass stuff. We're excited for it. But then, like, things are looking a little grim. Shields
1: a little destroyed. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, like, like something you never thought <laughs> would ever happen, which I know has happened in the comics multiple times. And it, it happened in that that vision that Tony had mm-hmm. with his shield broken. And I kind of watching these movies before Endgame, I was like maybe this is something that could actually happen mm-hmm. and it did and me first of all being like how if if vibranium is supposed to be the strongest metal on earth how can Thanos kind of break that with this double ended sword <laughs> spear thing that he has going on like what does that mean Adam? is that Made out of some other kind of metal that we don't know about. Is it just his pure force? Like, is is it the force of Cap fighting so hard and Thanos fighting so hard that just broke that? Mm-hmm. And then for him to just get the, the hammer at that point, seeing it flying towards Thor and seeing it redirect itself and just land in Cap's hand was just the ultimate, yeah. the ultimate moment that. I never even thought could happen. Like I never even that was never even one of my wildest dreams was for Cap to hold the hammer. Like, yeah, in in Age of Ultron, he tried to pick it up and it moved and people were like, oh, is he worthy? Like maybe he's worthy. But now it's like he's worthy. And when did he become worthy? Was he worthy the whole time? And he was just pretending in Age of Ultron? Or did he become worthy when he, during the time heist, when he used his last pin Particles to go back with Tony and pretty much sacrificed his life at that point and was prepared to not come back? Mm-hmm. I think that could have maybe been the point where he became worthy. Uh, I don't know, what do you
0: think? It's, it's hard to tell. I mean, like, it's one of those things where it's like, we followed this character for so long and for all of us, we feel like he's always been worthy. I mean, like, one of the... like, some of the first moments we get with Captain America are him throwing himself onto a grenade that he thinks is live to save his his fellow people. He literally sacrifices himself every chance he gets. Um, so, for him to not be worthy this entire time, it was just kind of like, oh, it's surprising. Um, but maybe... You know, maybe in like a cosmic sense, like it's a little bit more than being worthy. Um, Maybe it's also like when it's most necessary. You know, and so because it's like, why would you know? Why would he suddenly be able to do it at that moment? Um, You know, and sure, Monier had been destroyed for a little while now. It's their first time. You know getting along with it, like, did he try to pick it up while Thor was sleeping? We don't know. Like, how did he know that he could do that, or was he just trying something? Like, I mean, there's a lot there that's, like, just unknowable. Um, But at the same time, it's just, like, I almost don't care. I almost don't care what the reasoning is, because I'm just, like, that moment will forever, like, I will not forget how Excited, I was because it's it's that same type of thing where it's like, even though it was sh- shown in the trailer of Civil War, it's that moment of Spider-Man getting Cap's shield, right? You know, it's that moment of seeing like it, again, Civil War. Civil War isn't one of one of my favorites for so many reasons, but you know that moment where you see the Black Panther and Captain America running mm-hmm. through the through the, the the tunnel, like it's that kind of stuff where it's like you're a member of the like where you were how you felt when you saw that moment and so it's like for me when he became worthy is like less consequential than just him being worthy and having that moment happen and seeing cap
1: like throw down with the hammer like yeah. i don't think we'll ever get an answer to that which i'm okay with yeah which is just- just knowing that he's worthy is just it's enough. good enough. It's good enough. Game. And it's like, again, it's, we all knew he, we all knew he was worthy. But him getting it and immediately knowing how to use it. I don't know if that comes with the power Dude, of Thor. like, he was using lightning. Like he was like, like bringing up ground
0: lightning. Like he, yeah. He knew how to throw Thorne it. Thor never even did that. He threw his shield and then threw the hammer at the shield and got it to like ricochet the right way. Like he knew what he was doing. Yeah. So like he, he'd probably been thinking about it for a really long time. <laughs> It's been like oh, I just can't wait till like, I get that hammer. Get that, like. get that hammer. Uh, and then like when uh, when he has Stormbreaker and Thor's holding Mjolnir and he's like, no, no, no. And Thor's like, you take I the little one. Take the little one. It's just like so good. But like you know, again, like you have that that awesome moment, and then they're still kind of like they're still not quite winning. And to to have that moment where Cap's standing there and it's like he's unsure and he just hears on your left, and it's just like. Wait, what?
1: What's happening? But it wasn't on his left. It It was. It was was everywhere. everywhere.
0: It was literally everywhere. But like, and like, the thing is, like, they did it. They knew. I think they knew what they were doing because it's like, I actually no. Let me take that back because like, there's a part of me that's like, I might have designed that scene a little bit differently just knowing how fans were going to react. But it's like the silent opening of those portals like that was beautiful just like Mm -hmm. watching it happen and then like the first people that you see come out are like black panther shuri and okoye and it's like for me if i'm designing that scene okoye was okoye
1: was still alive but she could still be but yeah yeah, but like i mean she could still be teleported
0: because everybody was coming from where they were before right um so it's like everybody who was in wakanda was coming from wakanda right um But there was, like, a part of me that's, like, I almost would have saved them for last. You know, like, them, like, between them and, like, Spider-Man. Like, because it's just, like, who is your audience going to respond to the best? So, it's, like, you do, like, you do, like, Doctor Strange and them. You do the Guardians. Then you do Black Panther. And then, like, the last person you have come through is Spider-Man. Right. And it's, like, you just do it that way so it builds up. Because, like, having the Guardians come in, like, after Black Panther, it was just kind of, like...
1: Oh, you oh, guys! Yeah. Peter
0: Quill's back. Great. We hate him. Like, yeah, we all now hate him. <laughs> we all now hate him. Like my feet. Like people were like legit cheering for like T'Challa and Shuri to be back. Like someone was like my king. Like there was there was like legit reverence. And then the Guardian show up and like oh Drax, like we're excited. And then Quill like fly- dead silence. <laughs> it's like people were like mid clap just stopped. Yeah. Just done like we're not like excited to see him but everybody
1: else they were like yes. Yeah, I think that was just a moment of from there and just going going back to that like eventually when it comes out on any kind of streaming service it's going to be really cool to pause that and see where each portal goes yeah. to and it could be to somewhere that we don't know of yet and it could lead to another movie or whatever but them all coming together and then having this what someone once told me as class photo where let's get all the girls together have that like heroic moment which was awesome Mm -hmm. and then we kind of just have everyone else together but then just them running towards each other after everyone's together them running towards the enemy is just I cried at that moment. Uh. <laughs> I cried because it's, it's everything we've ever wanted as comic book fans. It's just the ultimate envisionment that we've always had in our heads. And for it to come to life has just been something extremely incredible. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's legit the ultimate splash page. And like, I was just so well done. It was so overwhelming. It's like, I mean, like, the thing that came to mind is, like, you you ever watched the X-Men cartoon growing up? Yeah. You know the part at the very end of it where it's, like, all of the X-Men and then all of, like, the the evil, like, the it's, like, the Brotherhood, all the evil mutants, all of them, they're all running yeah. together and then they smash together and then it's, like, X-Men? Yep. Like, that's what comes to that's mind. That's exactly like, what it felt you like. You know, flipping to the middle of the comic book where you have that, like, that centerfold splash page where it's just, like, the all-out battle, like, taking up, like, two pages, like, it was all of that and like just all of the little moments contained within it because like you know each character picking up the infinity gauntlet and trying to like run with it like right, yeah. like when they give it to Black Panther and it's like it's like watching football for a moment because you're just like oh he's just like running through he's like slamming down using his his suit's powers and like going through and then like he gets knocked away and then someone else grabs it and it's just like they're running with it and then Spider-Man gets it and like Spider-Man's swinging it, like when when I say like people don't would not believe what is in this movie, it's like when you have Spider-Man like He's holding sp- onto a Pegasus. Holding onto a Pegasus while holding the infinity gauntlet. Like, you can't you can't make that stuff up. And so like to see these things that were like literally stuff that you felt like you would only ever see in comics on the big screen, like I think that more than anything is like the most validating moment because it's like The other part that I really love about the MCU is like, in a way they've made it cool to be a nerd and to like really be into this stuff and to know it and to love it. And so, you know, it felt like that, you know, they'll call it fan service, but like it was like the best fan service you could give because it's like, this is the stuff that comic book readers have dreamed of, you know, seeing and people appreciating their entire lives. And so to get to this point where other people understand that excitement about these things and feel it, you know, even though it may not be the comic book, it's, it's from the film. Like they get the feeling now they get why we were excited about this stuff years ago when they made fun of us for reading it. And it's like, there's that, that validation that kind of comes with a moment as big as this, like comics were dying and now like the largest the biggest movie of all time is a comic book movie and like a super nerdy comic book movie it has time travel it has like 30 billion characters (laughs) it has like mythological figures it has aliens like all of that stuff is in this movie all of this stuff that I'm sure you got teased about at some point in your life oh yeah I definitely got teased about it like all of that stuff is in here and people are eating it up. And like, that's what I want. And like, sure. Like Batman is cool and all. Batman never achieved this. Batman didn't did make not. this happen. He can never make this happen. Cause he's just not that type of character. Like, but like, this is something like, and like, Like, we completely glossed over this entire time, but, like, a talking raccoon has been running around this entire movie. Getting
1: emails from a raccoon. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like, having emotional moments, helping bring people out of their funk. Like, I mean, Thor and Rocket is, like, one of my favorite things that that happened in Infinity War, and it continued here, and it was great. Like, I think Rocket... I love Guardians of the Galaxy. I think Rocket is the best part of Guardians of the Galaxy, like, hands down, like... Drax has his moments. Groot is, is, is cool and all cute and cool. And everyone loves Groot, but it's, it's really, it's really rocket. (laughs) Like, you know, and the the only reason why, like, he is not like the person that every story revolves around is because like, Oh, you know, Chris Pratt, you know, he's, he's, I guess, cool for a moment. (laughs) Chris Pratt had his moment. I feel like that's kind of diminished, you know, for, reasons outside of the films but we're not going to get into that yeah. right now but like you know you because know, even even looking at like Guardians 2 like um, again another movie that I think is underrated by just a little bit like I think like Rocket's story is really the more interesting one in that film you know and it's just like him being a self saboteur and like really trying to figure out how to live with these people who actually care about him and everything like that and so like him really learning that lesson in that movie and then bringing that with him in his interactions with Thor, like him being a, a grounding rod for Thor and, and like his lightning that's everywhere and like helping kind of bring his character back. Cause it's, like, it's so interesting that they went with a CGI raccoon <laughs> to do that in this movie
1: that just has everything. Yeah. Like it's just wild. And it's, it's really interesting looking back and to a conversation that Thor had with Rocket in Infinity War, where Thor is pretty much saying how he's lost everything already at that point. Before the snap, he's got no family. His friend's been stabbed through the heart. His brother is dead. Mm-hmm. His mom's dead. His dad's dead, and he has nothing. And then Thor being defeated at the end of Infinity War, and you know, during that conversation that Rocket had with Thor, rocket just kind of like, "Oh yeah, you know." that sucks and they're kind of in the same boat yeah they don't really have anything rocket is kind of a Frankenstein of a character mm-hmm. two things that are not supposed to go together and I think that's part of the reason why they get along so well with each other mm-hmm. and what really makes them work yeah oh man it's just so it's so
0: much That's just so much uh, should we should we just talk about like the end of that battle Is there anything left from that battle that we haven't touched on besides the end of it? Um, you know, I mean, I guess technically like, well, I mean, strange telling Stark, like uh, there's only, there's only, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's only one way for us to win. And if I told you it wouldn't happen, like that, that line was just like, it was one of those things where it's like, when it happened, you knew exactly what it meant. Mm hmm like I I'll speak for it myself. I don't want to speak for you. Like I knew what it meant.
1: Did you know what it meant? I didn't right away, but then like soon after when he kind of just I, holds up the one finger, he just <laughs> <laughs> pretty pretty much then where he holds up one finger, I was like, "Okay, I I I guess I get I get it now. I don't yeah. really understand what that one thing is because if you say what it is, it's not going to happen and I don't know we just want to go straight into that. But, yeah, just do it. Just go. But that one thing being that, you know, ultimately, Tony Stark has to give his life to the snap in order for to save everyone. Mm-hmm. Because Thanos gets the gauntlet back and then... But when he has it, all the stones are gone because Tony takes them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, if Doctor Strange were to tell him that, you know in order for us to live, you have to die. Tony being the kind of pompous asshole kind of character that he is, he would try and find another way and it wouldn't work out. So this is what it had to come to. Mm -hmm. You know, and just just
0: thinking about, like, because he had looked at all the ways for it to play out, like, I imagine he looked at versions where he told Tony and it didn't work. So it's just like... That, like, that bit of it is just, like, it's it's gut-wrenching, like, especially when it happens, because it's 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 amazing when it happens, because, like, Thanos is given, like, his whole, like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to win. I'm inevitable. And he says, I am, an in- I am inevitable, and, like, he tries to snap, and it's just like, doink! And he's, like, looking at it, and he's like, oh, the
1: stones are gone! a cartoon noise here. No, it, it, was,
0: it was literally just, like, and he was just like, oh, oh, oh and then you just see Tony like sitting there and they're like forming on his uh, forming on his, on his and head and it's like you can tell he's struggling so that lightning that hit the Hulk is still there and you're like Tony's just a normal human this isn't gonna go well and yeah, you just yeah. hear him say like I, I am. am and then there's like a long pause Iron Man and he snaps
1: and you're just like shit there was there was a small part of me that thought the movie was just gonna end and right there. there. Just, just that, there. That's just gonna be the end, and nothing else is gonna happen. And I would have been okay with that. Mm-hmm. But
0: and then like they do a long, they do the credits, <laughs> and then like an extended post-credits scene.
1: <laughs> yeah, like a half an hour. Of post-credits. Actually, like, if they
0: had done that, if like the epilogue was like. Like, if everything that happened in that, like, what I call the epilogue portion happened in, like, a post credit scene, like, I would have been fine with that. Oh, yeah. Like, I feel like that's almost how they should have done it.
1: (laughs) And then had the, the, like, actual sign-off. Yeah, but but for his end to be the same way as his beginning, with him just saying, I'm Iron Man," Man, is just, like, really incredible. And I've seen a lot of, you know, looking around on social media before... Infinity War came out, before it was even the, not Infinity, before Endgame came out, before even, like, the premiere happened, there was a lot of theories of oh, Iron Man's gonna be the person to do the snap, there's like I watched this one video on YouTube where they're like, it's the ultimate easter egg, he talks about his left arm hurting him throughout the entire MCU and it bothering him, what goes on the left arm? The Infinity Gauntlet, but in the end, it was on his his right right hand hand. (laughs) it was on his right hand, but I mean in theory, before me seeing this movie, I didn't want it to be Iron Man to undo the snap, and or not even undo the snap to end to end to, it. to end whatever yeah. is happening, because I was just like, it's too obvious. Like he's the first character, and it's gonna be him to do it because he's got the most exposure in the mm. MCU. But for it to be him and for it to be the way that he goes out was just like. It was kind of pleasing to me and I was really okay with it. And it was a nice it was a nice end for the character. Oh definitely, definitely. I, I mean I, I have that feeling, like it couldn't
0: have been anybody else because it wouldn't have had the resonance. Cause it's like I like you, I love Cap, I love what they've done with him, but like it wouldn't have quite been the same. Mm -hmm. you know like and, and it's and it really is like it's that meta piece of it because it's like when we watch these films we're not just watching these films we're also like experiencing them in our own lives and everything like that and so like it almost had to be this way for it to have the impact that it does um but yeah it was just like and it was it was brutal the aftermath of him doing it was Sure, we got to see, like, Thanos'
1: army wiped out, and we got to see... We did, nothing really happened right away. Well, we weren't sure what his snap was.
0: Yeah. And... Even, like, the, the way it took a minute for Thanos to disappear. Like, he just, like, went, sat down, and then, like, you know, just yeah. started to fade and just...
1: Like, okay, he snapped everyone, all the bad guys away, except Thanos. Yeah. <laughs> was that so that they could just defeat him one-on-one well, that's what
0: i thought at first i thought it was going to be one of those things where it was like oh i've dis- like thanos's army is gone and we'll just like arrest thanos like i at first like yeah. for like a split second i was like no this isn't good why would you do this like you don't need to keep him around like he has done enough like there are some villains where i'm like oh no like keep them around but like mm-hmm. thanos has been here since the post credits for the first avengers movie like he has been around like uh, age of ultron fine i'll do it myself he's in guardians like we've seen him like it's okay for him to go um but like yeah just watching him fade away it, there was like a little bit of sadness cuz it's like you were good like you were a fun enemy for them to face oh, yeah and just like i don't know like there's just something about the way he moves and Josh Brolin's like vocal performances thanos like there was a lot to like there. So it's like, that's the one part that makes me kind of interested to see where they, they go next. But like, back to Tony, just like that, his end with like the three core characters that really said goodbye to him during that sequence, uh, being Rhodey, obviously, had to be there, um, Peter Parker, and then Pepper Potts. Like that sequence was like...
1: Yeah, like you saw he, he clearly wanted to... To hold on and stay, mm-hmm. but then Pepper talking to him and being like, "It's okay, you've got this. Yeah, like, we don't, you don't need to. You can rest now. I think yeah, she said to You don't doing, need to do this like, anymore." I was just like,
0: "It's just heartbreak," and like especially like again jumping back to the conversation that he had with his father, where his dad was just like, "Hey, like greater good comes, like, you know, or the good of the world. Like it's hard to." It's hard to put yourself before the good of the world. And it was just like that moment where it's like, yeah, again, going back, like every time, like Tony put himself between what was happening, you know, and the world. And it's just like, you know, again, it's like it always had to end this way. Like there was no other way it could end. I was so, so perfect.
1: I wasn't like, I didn't cry at that point. I, I hate. I'm. I don't want to sound like an asshole, no, but like okay. everyone's like, "Oh, did you cry when when Tony died?" And I was like, "I didn't. I was, I was okay with it. It was a long time coming. Like he can't play, you know. Looking at it from a realistic perspective, he can't play Iron Man forever. Even though technically they could, they could just have him do like voiceover and have him stay in the suit all the time, but." You know, you can't play Iron Man forever. He's getting old. Like, it's it's come to an end, and like this is this is more perfect time than ever.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it was hard to say goodbye. I don't think I cried during that scene. Um, the funeral, I didn't. You know what? The funeral, I did, um, and it was a very specific thing. Um, so. They had the uh, proof that Tony Stark has a heart. um, Arc reactor. Arc reactor. When I saw that, that's what triggered it for me. Mm -hmm. It wasn't necessarily seeing his character, you know, finally, like, pass on in the scene. It was, like, that final kind of moment of everybody paying their respects to him that did it. And, like, that thing in particular. Because, like, I think that was... You know, again, it's like that kind of full circle moment, right. like where it all began to where his character ended, and how do we move on from here? How do we kind of move past that? And this, like, the fact that that wasn't even the end of the
1: movie, but no. was still like There's still another like fifteen minutes, fifteen minutes or so. <laughs> yeah, but seeing everybody there at that that point was really nice like not just them showing everybody at once Mm -hmm. but have the camera slow like kind of walk through walk through everyone was really was a really nice moment and to have the kid from iron man 3 be there who i've heard is rumored to kind of pick up the throne as iron man he was in the 10 year anniversary picture of the mcu and he was kind of a very like Secondary, tertiary character for a movie that was like not popular at all so to have him come back was kind of like a, it like a oh something something could happen there
0: yeah it was a cool moment and i i hope they really you know there's a, there's a part of me that's like they don't have to do anything with that and i would be fine with it because it's like for what he meant to stark in that moment because I, I think that's the other thing too it's like thinking back on on Tony's Ark and I talked a lot about like him and Peter but like him and that kid was also like one of those first kind of formative moments of that thing where it's like he had this extended period of time with this little kid who was kind of helping him rethink the way that he saw the world and what he saw as important um, and so you know I don't know if I need for there to be another Iron Man Um you know or iron person at this point i mean you know i'm excited to see what they do with that what they do with the tony stark legacy um especially in the scope of things like spider-man um since he was since the way they played it was having him so close but i don't know if you know what's his name like ty simpkins or something like that like i The kid who played the kid. Oh, that was the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, He's from, like... He's in the Insidious movies and stuff like that. He's in, like, every Insidious movie. I don't know... I don't know if I necessarily need him to come back and kind of take up the mantle. Like, I don't...
1: Because the thing is, like, I don't know if anybody
0: could take up the mantle.
1: Well, I think if they did, they'd kind of do the character differently. Like, they could do an Iron Lad, like like a Young Avengers thing, which... I mean, I don't think that iron, I don't want to call them iron people, but like (laughs) Iron Iron Man characters are going to stop here. Oh, no, no, I think that, you know, I'm hoping that they give it some time for us to miss it and then they kind of come back, you know, in however many years they choose. But I think, I think it could be, you know, something in the future. Yeah, Definitely.
0: Definitely. Well, I mean, thinking about the future, I think we have to go to the past for a little
1: bit. You do have to go to the past in order to go to the future.
0: Yeah. We gotta go to the, go to the past. I mean, one of the things that, that happened with the time heist, and we kind of talked about the Ancient One earlier and her conversation, or it's conversation there, conversation. I don't know if the Ancient One has a gender, so I don't want to gender the Ancient One. Um, it's just the Ancient The one. Ancient One. Um, they had a conversation with Banner, um, basically saying that you know the stones have to be returned to where they were in the timeline; otherwise, like you know, a full other timeline would be created, and etc. etc. Doom, gloom, right. you know, a new universe unable to defend itself against Thanos or, or whatever or whatever other evil is coming. Um, And so, in order to return those stones, Captain America took it upon himself, Mjolnir in hand, to go back and return the stones uh, throughout time. The only problem is, when he left, he was supposed to come back, like, five seconds later, is he doesn't return. Um, And we see an old man sitting on a bench, and uh, he talks to... uh, Sam Wilson the Falcon and it's Old Man Captain America and
1: and uh, I I wasn't expecting that (laughs) but for him to come back with without Mjolnir where is Mjolnir it's somewhere did he put it back into that
0: timeline? You, he might have to return it to Asgard. <laughs> and then he got a back to buy Frost back to normal.
1: <laughs> where he's going. Um, for him to, you know, come back. But not only come back, and not come back on the platform where he was supposed to come. So, that me thinking that is like, did he just kind of time it out throughout time where he was on that bench in that moment where the young him went into the past and cuz he just went back and when he came back he just lived life yeah so he wouldn't have come back through the portal if he just lived just life. life yeah but he comes back with a new shield a a shield that looks pretty similar to the regular round red white and blue star shield that he had but there's just some slight differentiation in this one the the star is slightly detailed there's some other things between the the red and the white circle on the shield Um, and he says to Sam like you know I'm done as cap like here try it on like and Sam says you know this is weird it doesn't feel like mine like I feel like the only person who can hold the shield is you and he's like but it is yours So at that moment, Sam becomes the new Captain America,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: which is nice because like Cap got to live his life Yeah, And which is, I think he really got the idea for that from during the time heist when he happened to stumble into Peggy's office Mm -hmm. and see that she still had a picture of him on her desk. Yeah. So after all these years that he's had that compass and he's been looking at it, she's been looking at him too and realized, you know, I could go back and have a life with her. Mm -hmm. And to have that was just like really, I wouldn't say a nice way to end the character because the character is not over. He didn't die. Yeah. In the comics, there is old man Captain America, which I don't think they're going to do in this situation. No, yeah, but I mean they they have him around in case they need him to come
0: right. back for things. And I mean there's some fun to be had with that. You know, especially like, you know, Nick Fury is back. You know, there might be some shield things that need to happen. Like, you know Well maybe Nick Fury's not Nick Fury. So <laughs> Just on the Nick Fury thing <laughs> real quick. One of the things that frustrated me about Captain Marvel was how he lost his eye. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. It was... He built it up to be this bigger thing. Well, if I trusted someone I can't trust, that person ended up being a cat yeah. who scratched his eye.
0: So that was just, like, really frustrating. I was a little surprised we didn't get any back-in-time Nick Fury stuff. Right. Um, like, especially with the um, Avengers Tower, like, you know, securing the Tesseract and um, Loki's scepter. Like, I thought I thought they would have had him show up there. Absolutely. Um, especially with the director, yeah, the director or secretary um, there and everything like that. Like, I thought that would have been a good kind of moment to have all of them together um, and have some fun with. Because Nick Fury has no lines in this film. No, he really he does doesn't, not speak. He literally a, just shows up. There's a up. lot of characters like that, though. Yeah. But I mean, like, the thing is, like, few as important as Nick Fury is to the actual formation of the Avengers. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I mean, it, it, like, you know, even like, if we discount Captain Marvel and, like, you know, Fury coming up, you know, using her code name for the Avengers initiative all day. Let's push that to the side. You know, we'll pretend that didn't happen. Like he was the guy who came to Tony with the Avengers initiative. He's the guy who comes again to Tony to say, Hey, we need to do this. He keeps sending his people out there to monitor the different situations that are happening. You know, Coulson, you know, is interacting with Thor and other folks like, you know, Fury is kind of Orchestrated this entire thing. Mm-hmm. And so for him to not have like any sort of thing, even if it was just like a playing his voiceover from like the first Avengers over again where he's just like, you know, like it started out as an idea or whatever whatever his actual line is. Like, just have that at like the very end of, you know,
1: the movie or something like that. Is that two on the nose? That that might be too on the nose, because then you wouldn't have the the Tony Stark voiceover part at the end of the movie yeah yeah which was like exactly what we needed But like I mean, that was another like tearjerker moment where he's got this hologram which is kind of they're all gathered around like it's kind of like his will reading him yeah. and him just looking directly at his daughter at that point yeah yeah I mean
0: that's that's great and i i really enjoyed that scene i'm just like trying to think about like how would i have worked in i just i feel like it was more deserved cuz like i mean there's certain things that they that they didn't do or didn't show where i felt like they could have like shaped certain things off of other places in order to like you know just give especially if like for the the foundational parts like given that we didn't have like Black Widow is gone for the full final third of the film you know give us some other like human person besides Hawkeye like to to have a moment at the end of that film you know and, and sure maybe it's fitting that you know Fury would just kind of show up in the middle of the funeral... (laughs) unannounced to anybody... but like... the the fact that like... I mean... again we just saw Captain Marvel... before this film... and like he didn't even have... an interaction with her... it's just like it felt... it felt weird... Mm -hmm. that like he wouldn't have had any... oh yeah... any sort of like... meaningful interaction... other than just showing up...
1: and then like... stepping through... each group of people... at Tony's funeral... from the MCU... and then seeing captain marvel in the back like you think okay that's the end like we're we're still missing a few people here and then nick fury steps out like he showed up to the funeral late like yeah yeah and i mean like again like it's it's
0: fitting for who he is like you know he's always in the background watching kind of thing he's always he's always there even if you don't see him you gotta keep two eyes on him you know but like and and yeah, I mean again, like, you know, echoing that whole post credit scene for Iron Man one, like he's showing up at the very end, like it it's a it's a meta it's a meta joke, you know, it's a meta moment, but at the same time it's just like you know, you hope for a little bit more knowing his yeah. role throughout these films. Yeah. But, and again, like that's like one of those like really like little nitpick kind of things, but mm. you know. But where do we go from here?
1: I don't know. I think it just goes straight to either taking a break or picking up some final pieces in the Disney streaming service. Mm-hmm. Like, we know that there's going to be a Falcon and Bucky show where Falcon is pretty much going to be Captain America. And then there's going to be a show with Wanda, um, Scarlet Witch, which is called WandaVision. Um, hopefully maybe vision comes back hopefully um kind of missed him in this one i i did I, I was hoping something was gonna happen at the end where it's like we're figuring out a way to see,
0: provide you, you vision. know how they
1: you know how they screwed that up. and this is this is
0: probably a version of the film that's on the cutting room floor so one of the things that i noticed in this film was like i thought they would have like at least like one scene earlier in the film from like wakanda um, and so I think a decision was made to, you know, cause like before everybody was like, oh, like Shuri's going to still be around and everything like that. And then that one trailer came out and it's like, oh, Shuri's missing too. I think initially what they might've had planned was to have Shuri repair vision. Right. And so that he like, when they show up at the end, vision is also there. But I think for whatever reason, it might've been scheduling. It might've been like, a the movie would have been too long too many
1: questions at that point yeah and
0: i think that's probably why they didn't do something like that um but it was like one of those things that i was thinking about because it was just like Okoye is like the only person left in wakanda who we really know so it's like at least show us a scene of her trying to keep things together there like because like that was the thing that kind of frustrated me because it was like everybody else got something but like not wakanda (laughs) like give wakanda something (laughs)
1: Yeah, so I think it goes to those shows, and I think it's the... There's going to be a, a What If series, mm-hmm. which there was a line of comics in Marvel called What If, where it was weird what-if scenarios, like what if Spider-Man was a villain, and what are some other ones? Do you know any other ones? I mean, it
0: could be anything.
1: Yeah. Like, this, the whole point of What If is, like, it could have any, yeah. anything.
0: Like, what if... um. No, that was. I was going to say, what if the Punisher was Captain America? That that actually happened. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, I'm drawing a
1: blank on them because like, yeah, at this point, there's like, some good ones. What's though.
0: weird is like a lot of the what ifs have actually
1: become like real scenarios. And like, so it's, like, What if Captain America picked up Mjolnir? Yeah. But I think in that what if series, hopefully we might get to see Cap putting back some of the Infinity Stones, seeing. Captain America in different time periods, so I don't think he's gonna go away completely yet. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Because I know
0: there's been the whole big, like, Chris Evans saying goodbye to the character, so I'm interested to see what that truly means within the context of everything else, because, like, I imagine it's pretty hard to say goodbye to a character like that, who's, like, really, like,
1: revitalized his career, like... Well, that's for all of these MCU movies. It's, like, Like, if you look at any of their IMDb pages, like, pretty much their first top-listed movie is going to be a Marvel Mm -hmm. movie.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, obviously, like, you know, we have the new Spider-Man coming out this July. Um, We're going to, at some point, get a new Black Panther film, which, like, I don't think they're even at the writing phase on this film yet. Because they haven't identified a director, because... I think they only want to do it with Ryan Coogler, but he has other films that he's making right now. Um, Guardians, like the new Guardians won't be made for like another five years because um, James Gunn, who they brought back to direct it, is currently directing Suicide Squad for DC. Um, You know, there's the Eternals movie that they're working on that might have Angelina Jolie attached to it. It's confirmed now. She's in it might. I, <laughs> until until I see someone in a costume, it's a might. Um, you know, I imagine they have to be working on a, you know, I think they're going to be doing some form of Thor 4.
1: Uh, as Guardians of the Galaxy, I think it'll be called. I would love that. <laughs> like, I hope that's where they go with it. Like, apparently
0: Taika Watiti has been pitching the film, and so if if he is pitching that, I would love to see it. I don't know what it would fully look like. Like, if it would be the full Guardians team, or if it would mostly be... I
1: don't know. Because, like, if it's a Thor movie, or the Guardians going to be part of it? Or if it's a Guardians movie, is Thor going to be part of it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, like... I mean, like, again,
0: like, we've kind of learned that Thor is best when he's playing off of other characters. So it's, mm-hmm. like... And I I feel like the chemistry that they have would be really good. Um, But if it was something like, you know, and and again, like, I don't know if this is just just like a Guardians movie, then, but like, there's a part of me that, like, wants to see Thor try to be Peter Quill's wingman as he tries to win back (laughs) this, uh, you know, other version of Gamora. <laughs> yeah, that's now what we exists didn't talk about was Within Gamora. their universe. Yeah, so it's like the way that they got her back was very interesting because it's like the Gamora that we knew is still gone. But, right.
1: but <laughs> Nebula went back and got her. And then there was two Nebulas because, you know, what's worse than one Nebula, two of them. <laughs> nebula is one of my least favorite. MCU characters.
0: Which is interesting because it's like, I felt the same way until I was thinking about this film and the fact that, like, they actually gave Nebula good character development.
1: Yeah, well, in the comics Nebula is the one to oh, un- she's do- integral to this. Yeah, she she's... Snaps. Undo or, the stealth.
0: Yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't... I don't know. I'm like, the Guardians is like a really weird question mark for me because it's like, what do I even want to see them deal with? I mean, they have to deal with Adam Warlock obviously he has to be a part of whatever they're doing. I think that would be what happens in the next Guardians movie. Yeah. Yeah. But but again like even bigger than that it's like what do you do you go smaller with the next set of films and let them be more kind of self-contained affairs or do you build up to something huge like a
1: Galactus? Well, I'm um, Galactus done right, not a wormhole cloud <laughs> no, no no obviously um, like real world real, eater yes. galactus um i i think what they're gonna do is they're gonna sp- cut back on their films per year mm-hmm. right now and kind of go back to doing like these smaller what's known now is no-name characters that we don't really know of like like they did before Kind do what they did before, just get more characters, and then kind of place these bigger characters within that timeline that they're doing. Yeah. You know, it's... I guess I guess my question for you with that is, like, who's a character
0: that you would want to see kind of get introduced that maybe we haven't seen yet? Um, or maybe a character who's had a movie in the past that, like,
1: hasn't been seen in a while.
0: If well, I obviously want,
1: like, Fantastic Four. Yeah come and be done right with you know i've seen some rumors of who people want to play fantastic four and it looks pretty good
0: (laughs) (laughs) you're talking about jim from the office is mr fantastic (laughs)
1: jim from the office is mr fantastic zach afron is um johnny johnny storm i would actually you know what i would actually make him the thing because why not no i (laughs) make him johnny storm and then have Emily Blunt as. Susan Storm and mm-hmm. then the only one that's kind of left open is The Thing um but other characters that I really want to see in Spider-Man I would really like to see Craven the Hunter at some mm-hmm. point um I don't know like any, like, no-name characters that I can really think of right now
0: that... Yeah. I mean, the challenge is a lot of the no-name characters are really street level, so it's like, you're not sure if they would make, like, a full right movie with them, you know, or if they would just get, like, a streaming series, because, like, I know a lot of people really would love to see a Moon Knight.
1: Oh, yeah, that know, would like, be
0: really nice. But, again, Moon Knight, his story would work so much better as a series. Like, right. it wouldn't necessarily be they wouldn't take as much they wouldn't take the time necessary to make a movie work um you know obviously having once they have the x-men back you know i'd be interested to see what they do with them because like there's for me i feel like i don't want like a mainstream x-men team movie for a long time after dark phoenix comes out like i don't want charles fighting magneto with like Cyclops and the I, rest. Yeah,
1: I don't think it needs to be rebuilt from the ground up like the last revamp did. I think it needs to kind of give us time to miss it, and then kind of start maybe placing them, you know, like they did with Avengers, like in post-credit scenes, and then kind of go from there. I could even see them having like a series, like mm-hmm. like a TV series, like a live-action TV series. Um, but the budget for that would obviously be really high, and don't think that would work
0: out. Yeah, that'd be very expensive. Yeah, it's it's tough because I mean, Marvel has so many characters. Like, I know with the success of DC's Aquaman, they might be looking at doing Submariner. There are a lot of oh people, yeah,
1: that's but... that is one that I would actually really like to see because he's one of the first Marvel characters. Like from mm-hmm. was it like the 1920s? Like yeah, and to see him come in there would be really interesting yeah and a lot of people have been speculating that like the
0: underwater tremors that were being experienced in in endgame might have been related to some mariner and atlantis all right that stuff so it's like that could be cool i mean there's a part of me that wishes they hadn't had tried to do the um inhumans tv series that they did that went really poorly because like again like characters like you know Submariner, the Inhumans, like they're all at least in you know the way I look at them, they're connected to yeah. Fantastic Four stories, mm-hmm. and so being able to weave them into like the greater um, you know MCU storylines would have been really cool. But like I feel like they've wasted that opportunity. Not to say they can't still do it, um, but it's like did they potentially harm the name? in a way because like inhumanity would be an amazing storyline to do in the MCU where it's like you basically get all of these normal people to be super powered but you've done that on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. right? and it's like you know I enjoy that show but most people aren't watching it and you know would they try to take that storyline back and reuse it so close to it just happening I don't think so but it's like, at the same time, it would have been a really cool way to go. Because it's like, you know, it makes me wonder how else are we going to get characters like Kamala Khan in the MCU films. You know, something that like I would really love to see at some point. But you can't do Miss Marvel when you've just introduced Captain
1: Marvel to your film universe. People right. would be too confused. Yeah, that, that one's going to take some time for that character to come out. I mean, I haven't read any of those comics yet. It's on my, my to-do list. It's good, they're just good <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, I heard they're really good. Yeah. But, yeah, I think characters like that would be really interesting because when, when the new Ms. Marvel came out, it was very interesting because it was another group of people that were like, she looks like me. Like, mm-hmm. She looks like me. She comes from a place where I come from. So I think that would be really nice to bring that on screen again yeah yeah i mean getting getting people
0: that feeling is just again that's that's what we got into marvel for (laughs) so you know being able to give that to a whole new generation like that would be awesome so i mean i just i hope they're i hope they go weird like i hope they just go as weird as possible in some ways because it's like you know we wouldn't
1: have gotten the Guardians if they weren't willing to take those oh, risks. Was a big risk. And then if Guardians wasn't successful, like we wouldn't be at Endgame. Yeah. Cuz if space is a big risk, like Yeah. Like literally what Thanos would they have done?
0: Thanos can't work if if Guardians of the Galaxy is not successful because so much of his storyline is tied up in what they're doing and tied up in the cosmic, you know, space universe. And so it's like all of that like i think that really was kind of like that breakthrough title that allowed us to have a lot of what we're what we're experiencing in endgame even though it is very terrestrial it is very contained to earth for the most part um you know at the same time like i think guardians opened up people in a way and so i hope they're willing to kind of take some risks with what they're kind of putting out there and it's not all just hey we got this huge franchise back we're just gonna make that again but like we're not going to make this smaller thing over here that maybe four people really remember and, <laughs> you know, has flown under uh, the radar this entire time. Yeah, it's, The options are endless. Yeah. And I think our option is to end, because this has been going for
1: over two hours. Really? Wow. Bet you didn't think you could talk for that long. I definitely did not. Especially this being my first podcast appearance. Yeah, well hopefully
0: it won't be your last. Hopefully. Maybe when uh, we figure out where Marvel is going with some of this stuff, you can be a guest in the future. We'll talk about some of the Disney Plus streaming shows uh, when they start up in November, 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 November. So for only $6, only $6 for now, for now, (laughs) I am convinced that they are going to raise prices like that following year. So you'll get your, you know, $6 a month introductory rate and then the next year it'll be like Astronomical,
1: not astronomical. they nah, can't but do like, that. They're gonna lose a lot of it'll be like it 10 bucks, way.
0: it'll like raise like four bucks a month or something. Yeah, it'll like be
1: that. like Netflix, it'll slowly build until yeah. it's like, how do I end up paying $20 a month? Yeah, for this thing where I only watch half of the stuff on here. Yeah, so
0: we're gonna see, but for now, we are done. Thank you for listening.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for being here.
1: Oh, my pleasure.
0: Do you want to tell everybody again, even though they probably listened to the last episode, hopefully listened to the last episode, where can they find you if they need you?
1: Yeah, sure. You guys could find me on Instagram at M underscore A Perez. I'm not on Twitter, so don't have a handle for that. But that's pretty much it. All right. And uh, you'll hear from me again in
0: just a few seconds. Bye.